We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know, it's hard to tell. I mean, I was in high school in 94, the last time we had a real, you know, stoppage. And, uh, you know, it's it's hard to understand the ins and outs of of this type of dispute being outside of the game. You know, especially as a high school kid, you you know, you tend to lean like the public does and say these players are so greedy. But when you get on the inside, you really realize that the players are just trying to get their fair share of the pie. And, and um, you know, I, I got a sense that this one is going to be a little gnarly. You know, in the past, I felt like, you know, baseball has done well. People are making money. Everybody's enjoying the game. There's no reason to stop it. But, you know, if something happens 20, 25 years goes by, people forget what it's like to do damage to the game like that and have a full-on strike. And, I sense both sides are going to be really hard-headed right now, and I think it's going to be a fight to the death. That was former MLB pitcher Bronson Arroyo with Parkins and Spiegel yesterday right here on 670 The Score. Hour two of three of me, Rami Makhlouf, with you on a Thursday evening. Want to talk some Bears with you a little bit later this hour, and we'll get back into some Bulls talk in the 9 o'clock hour. But want to continue discussing Major League Baseball and what's going on with the lockout right now, and no better man to do that with than baseball analyst for us right here at 670 The Score. You also see him on the Marquee Sports Network. Always a pleasure to talk some baseball with Bruce Levine. Bruce, how are you this evening, sir? Rami, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I wish we were talking about real baseball and not the business of baseball, but such is the case as we uh, enter almost 80 uh, days of uh, hearing about negotiations that nobody really cares much about other than get it done, get it over with, tap us on the shoulder when it's uh, done, and uh, don't bother us until then. And really, Rami, that, that's, I think that's where most baseball fans are. They're not... They're not waiting for a Bob Nightingale or for, um, you know, some of the other Bigfoot reporters to uh, delve out the latest in what the other side is uh, not interested in. It's it's going to take sitting down three or four days in a row without alerting other reporters of what the latest uh, lack of uh, lack of caring about was from each side and and hashing this thing out. It's just. It's just way too much, I think, for baseball fans to deal with. Yeah, and Bruce, and don't sell yourself short. When you say titans of, of Major League Baseball writers, you yourself could break that story, Bruce. Don't, don't just mention those other guys. But when, when, okay, I'm not a commissioner or a high-level executive or a titan of industry. I've never been part of negotiations as big as what's going on right now between Major League Baseball and the Players Association. But from, from my perspective and from the layman and the outsider's perspective, it looks like a lack of urgency when you haven't talked about mm-hmm. core economic issues for, well, once in the last two weeks, and then you do finally meet for today, and it's for 15 minutes. Like, I expect boardrooms full of guys 24-7 with their sleeves rolled up and ties loosened and takeout containers everywhere because they're just working around the clock to hammer out a deal and meet somewhere in the middle. Am I, am, I, am I oversimplifying things to say that there's a complete lack of urgency from both sides when we hear what we're hearing about the pace at which these negotiations are going. Well, you're spot on because uh, up to this point, there has been nothing to be lost other than uh, 
the the fans trust on either side. So uh, I think I think that's the underrated portion of this, Rami. The idea that uh, people have uh, are, are losing their taste for the game of baseball because of the greed on both sides, and the fact that look, we had 2020 with uh, 60 games and no fans. We had 2021 with a, a full season, but only fans in the stands for half the games. Uh, we saw attendance down in baseball uh, because of uh, COVID and because of the situations that we're in. And now, to me, it's a total disregard, uh, again, for uh, the fans and the consideration. Both sides would tell you, hey, this is our livelihood. This is our business. Uh, your perspective is, is wrong. My perspective has always been, as a reporter, uh, as somebody that loves the game, is the, the fans' perspective. The, the, the way the game is perceived, the, the game is for the fans. The fans pay every dollar of it. So from, from that perspective, I, I don't want to ever lose sight as to who is paying the bills. I just think that you're just hurting yourself because of the fact that uh, fans are looking at one of the great NFL seasons uh, especially the playoff seasons in history. Uh, in Chicago, you have a resurgent basketball team and the Bulls that they're looking at. Uh, you're, you're taking fans for granted. And when you do that, you run the risk of them not coming back and uh, watching your product either live or uh, as it's dealt out elsewhere. So uh, there, there's an arrogance about it that I don't like, even though I understand the business side. I've seen you know, for 40 years uh, these things change on a dime and uh within a week uh everything's back to normal but uh when you start messing with uh spring training games in arizona and in uh, florida and you start messing with the beginning of the regular season i think you're biting off a little bit more than you can chew talking with bruce levine score baseball analyst here with you rami mcluff on a thursday night what and, and obviously it's money bruce but if you could whittle it down just just a little bit more what what are you hearing are, are the main sticking points that the owners don't want to move on and that the players don't want to move on that they are at a standstill right now i, I don't think we really i, I mean we we do know that co- the competitive balance tax at the top is going to be the major issue and that is uh the salary cap as people know it there is no salary cap in baseball but it is a soft cap where if teams go over $214 million in payroll, they must pay a penalty. And if you go over an extreme amount, you pay a double penalty and you lose a draft pick. And as you keep going up, you lose more and more. So this is a big penalty, a, a, a penalty tax for the big market teams that try to spe- spend in the oblivion and try to uh, get the best players and try to win every year that way along with their minor league systems. Uh, it's revenue sharing. That money goes back to the, the smaller teams, uh, smaller teams as far as markets go. So that that has, Major League Baseball hasn't moved much on that. Uh, the players want them to move up on what that is from 214 to 245 and escalating up over the five-year period to somewhere around 270. Uh, Major League Baseball is way down there in about 220, 225, 230. The, the players have already won one area, and that is they are going to get a pool of money from Major League Baseball for players between one and three before they get to arbitration, where the top 30 players will be getting bonuses uh, 
for their performances based on a war-type system that will be decided upon between the players and the owners. They've, the owners have already agreed to start this new system for them for younger players to make more money. They've already agreed to paying more for minimum salaries. So in that, in that case, the players are winning those points. They haven't won it to the point where they want to. Okay, so these are the two sticking points, main sticking points for both the owners and the players right now. And fundamentally, they're, they're far apart as far as dollars go. The players went a different direction today by uh, saying the money they want in the pool, they want more than they asked for a week ago. Now they're, now they're asking for $115 million in that pool a year instead of 100. So they, they feel that since they're giving up arbitration for everybody after two years and asking for only 80% of the players that are uh, that uh, a service time uh, uh, eligible after two years, they, they feel they have to ask for more money. So it's going backwards uh, a little bit here, and it, and it has to change. They have to get into a, a room, as you said, and they have to sit there and they have to hash this out. It shouldn't take a day, two days, a week to get a response. The player's response took a week from the owner's response of a week ago. The owner's response of a week ago took a week from the player's response prior to that. It's a it's it's bad timing. Um, both sides are getting close to the time where they're going to start losing money. You're certainly losing the trust of the fan fans out there. That's a dangerous game. We one thing we have heard that that has been agreed to, Bruce, is is the universal DH. Is is is, is that what you're hearing from from your sources that that is coming? And I mean that was yeah. kind of inevitable, and I, I thought it probably would happen with these negotiations. Who loses on a universal DH? Uh, Major League Baseball hit uh, pitchers hit 110 last year. Okay, it was an all-time low. Why was it even lower than ever? Because in 2020, they had a DH for both leagues for the first time because of the uh, shortened season because of COVID. And, and pitchers even got worse than they were before that. So this is a no-brainer. It creates 15 new jobs in the National League where usually high-profile, high-paid players get to be DHs. Not every team is going to treat it that way. A lot of teams will treat it the way of using that as a rest spot or using it for older players to rest. But it, but in general, over the 50 years of the DH, and again, 2000, uh, 2022 will be 50 years that the DH is, it was first implemented into the American League, uh, this has been a higher paying position. From the, from the club's perspective, you're, you're protecting your pitchers from getting hurt on the field. Uh, and from the fans' perspective, watching pitchers uh, hit, even though the strategy is interesting by the managers, and I was always uh, interested in the strategy in the National League game, uh, there's no strategy anymore. None of them can bunt. None of them can run. They're in danger of hurting themselves on, uh, at bat. It's, it's time. So both, both sides are going to profit and benefit by the fact that there's a universal DH. I'm one of the few who didn't want it, Bruce, but I spent the last segment yelling at my producer, Adam Studzinski, about that, I, and I don't want to waste your time with that. They're you like better. the 110? <laughs> well, no, it's not. I mean, do you want to, I, look, do you want to hear my you. argument against the Rami, I, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I know you don't want to repeat yourself, but uh, honestly, uh, I've always been a, a National League fan as well, but right. in this day and age where even the position players can't hit the opposite way, can't hit and run, 
No, the, you're right. The, that, the that, pitchers are even more inept. That aspect of, of strategy has been taken out of it, but the managerial strategy of, 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 of that tough decision of when to pull your right. pitcher to I, get more I agree offense. with you. So I, I right. like that. And also, it's it's two plate appearances a game, Bruce. Like it's, it's two plate appearances a game at most in the modern game with how quick starting pitchers get pulled nowadays. And I know that's that's one of the things that that I've heard they're trying to counter with bringing mm-hmm. in the universal DH. They want to up the importance of starting pitchers and have them out there on the mound longer. And they think that with managers not having to choose between my starting pitcher and offense, that we will see that. I see the merit in it. I just, I hate losing the strategy of it. That That's, no, that's and, my only problem with and it. And again, I understand that. And I was with you for many, many decades, even before you were on this planet, I was with you. That, <laughs> but 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 I'm no longer with you. The game the game is is hurting too much as far as offense when you got a, a league batting average of 239 or 240, sure. uh, all time lows. It's just you can't afford to have uh, a weak offense at the bottom with the pitcher at the bottom. It's just it's not fun, and I I think I think more fans like would prefer the the offense. I, I, again. The strategy of the game was always integral, important to me as well. But mm-hmm. you know, these days, you know, they're using uh, they're using more bullpen pitchers than ever. And uh, uh, your your argument is, well, it's only a couple of at bats. But then you, then you have the relief pitcher that you don't don't want to take out. So right, uh, it's time. Talking with Bruce Levine, Rami Makhlouf with you on the score on a Thursday. And I know I'm in the minority on that, a very small I think most people are ready for the universal DH. But the other thing, and I don't know how much there is to this, Bruce. I've seen one guy, and that's Craig Carton, report this. He, he tweeted this out earlier today that a new playoff format is set, and it's going to include seven playoff teams per league. The team with the best record gets a bye. The top remaining division winner picks their opponent from the four wildcard teams, and then the third division winner does the same, and all and the first round will be three games all at the all at one at one location. Uh, there's right. nothing about that I like, Bruce, and I can't imagine there's much about that that most baseball fans will like. Red Rover, Red Rover, Cincinnati Reds, right over. Okay, that's <laughs> uh, that was the old schoolyard game that we played back a million years ago uh, when you wanted. Uh, somebody to run at you when you played a tag game in the, in the schoolyard. But in, in this case, uh, we've heard this, uh, we've heard this discussion before. It's an interesting concept where a team picks the, the, their opponent. Uh, it'll add some interest to it, but um, you know, I, I believe they'll get to 14 because you know why they're going to get to 14 because it means more money for both sides. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means, so the players get an extra rounds of of um, playoffs. That means that their money, Rami, is derived by uh, by the tickets sold in these series. The more series you have, the more tickets sold in the first three games. Sixty uh, percent of that goes to the players. Okay, that's how they get their postseason money. The owners get their money from postseason television. The more playoff rounds, the more money you get from television. So it's a win-win for both sides. The millionaires, the billionaires all prosper in a case where you have 14 uh, playoff teams. Uh, I don't think the game prospers. I think it diminishes the regular season. Uh, It waters it down even more. Uh, I think if you're going to have 14 14 teams out of 30, uh, 
-hmm. that uh, you might as well go to 140, 145 games because you're going to lose my attention along the way as far as who's making the playoffs and who's going to win. It's not very clear who the best team is going to be when uh, seven teams in each league are going to have a chance at the end to try to win it. Yeah, and I'm curious what that schedule would look like if it was still 162 games. I saw people responding to Carton's tweet saying, how do, you, how do you think the NBA's or Major League Baseball schedule is to compete with, you know, the NFL on Thanksgiving or Christmas right, weekend? Right, because right. the season is going to be going that long. I did want to ask you quick before I let you go. I'll just Bruce. put one more, one more thing. Yeah, go in, ahead. And that is, if you do expand like that, the first thing you're going to hear is that you're going to have a neutral site for the World Series. Because they're going to have to guarantee in, in that type of late season scenario a week of uh, good weather or in a dome to be able to play the World Series every year. So I, I think that would be the next thing that you hear. I wouldn't hate that. I, I think I'd be okay with that idea. Before, before I let you go, Bruce, I did want to ask you about the, the two teams in town and if and when this lockout ever ends, what, what they might do. Let, let's start with the Cubs. We talked about the Universal DH coming to Major League Baseball. Do you think that changes at all what, what they do, how they operate, who they're targeting when, when, when action picks up again in free agency? Yeah, I think it also it, it, it adds the Rizzo-Schwarber uh, equation to the conversation, mm. okay? The, 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 the Cubs are in dire need of what they, what they don't have anymore, and that is left-handed power hitting. You know, they, if you, Ian Happ is the only thing that from the left side that you would call a, a power bet. Uh, on that team. You're going to need fortification. You, you're not going to win a lot of games unless you have a left-handed pop and balance in your lineup. So so that, that changes the equation there. For the White Sox, uh, they need a second baseman. Uh, they can put Garcia there, but they need a second baseman and a right fielder. I, I mentioned it on our uh, Saturday show with David Haw inside the clubhouse mm-hmm. last Saturday that Michael Conforto from the Mets is, is certainly the type of guy that uh, they would be looking at as a power bat and a, and a pretty good right fielder that could fit in, although they have answers in, you know, in Sheets and Vaughn uh, internally. But I think that's where you're going to see them go. And the, and the Cubs are really going to have to step up and, and add to their bullpen once everything shakes out. That's Bruce Levine, score baseball analyst, also of the Marquee Sports Network. Catch him Saturday along with David Haw inside the clubhouse right here on 670 Score or anytime you want right there on your Odyssey app. And follow him on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Bruce, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, sir. Take care, my friend. Have a good night. Bruce Levine joins me on the Circa Resorts and Casino Hotline. And I have that liner here somewhere. Yeah, there it is. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. All the dust has settled in the NFL coaching carousel. How do you feel about what the Bears have done now? Let's discuss next. Rami Makhlouf with you on 670 The Score on a Thursday night. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. So I, I can say this, that the um, the Bears have been a, um, a, a good defense for, for years in terms of what the fans expect from our guys. I, I don't think they'll be disappointed at the product that we'll, we'll put out on the field. Uh, I think it'll be a good product, and I think it'll be an entertaining product. That right there was Bears' new defensive coordinator, Allen Williams. I'm Rami Makhlouf with you here on 670 The Score on a Thursday evening with you until 10 o'clock. Coming up at 9, talk some bulls with Ricky O'Donnell, editor and writer at SB Nation. And going to get into some Bears talk with you here in just a second. But uh, Adam Studzinski on the other side of the glass. You think Major League Baseball heard me screaming for the last half hour about the lack of urgency and the snail's pace at which these negotiations are moving, even though we're about to lose baseball games. <laughs> because Jeff Passan just reported, while exact plans are not finalized, MLB and the MLB Players Association intend to hold multiple bargaining sessions, perhaps every day, as early as Monday, sources told ESPN. Multiple owners and players expect to fly in for sessions leading up to MLB's stated February 28th deadline. The only thing I don't like about that tweet is the dash dash perhaps every day dash dash as early as my it damn well better be every day man and it's about damn time that you would take it seriously enough that you would meet every day. Like I said to Bruce like when 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 I imagine high level big money negotiations going on that are coming down to a deadline whether it's in, in sports or, or any other industry. And I'm not somebody who's ever been in a meeting like this, so maybe I've just seen too many movies or whatever the case might be. But I picture conference rooms, long tables full of men, and, and mostly men, and that's unfortunate, in very expensive suits, round the clock, with their jackets taken off, sleeves rolled up, tie loosened, sweat beating on their foreheads, and take out containers everywhere as they try and hammer something out and find some compromise and meet in the middle. And meanwhile, these clowns are meeting once every two weeks for 15 minutes. If they do start meeting every day on Monday, it would be about damn time. And thank God 
because they have not taken this thing seriously enough or have had enough urgency to this point. So God bless, God bless whoever is pushing them to the negotiation table every day, hopefully, perhaps every day, starting on Monday. And I don't know if you saw this, Rami, but Chris Bassett tweeted earlier this afternoon in regards to the how short the meeting was. He just says, okay, it's time. Every man has to leave. Send in the women. This gets done by nine. Like, <laughs> seriously, like, get the men out of here. <laughs> and we have a deal by now. It would be. It would be because we're dumb and we're stubborn and we're, we're we're more trying to like assert our dominance and, and show that I'm the alpha male than we are actually trying to get a deal done and find something that works for everyone. That That's that's what it comes down to is a measuring contest there in those meeting rooms. And, 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 every, and it's just ridiculous, man. It's it's so it's so dumb. And it's like I said. We're two, two years we've known this was coming, and now with 11 days until we're going to lose games, these guys are still in the posturing phase of negotiations. We're like, you come to the table. No, you come to the table. No, you re- respond to my offer. No, you respond to my offer. Like, what, what, what are we doing? Are we children? Are we children? Or are we adults here who are actually trying to accomplish something and get baseball players out on the field without losing any games? What are we doing? What, what exactly is anybody accomplishing by going through these motions and posturing the way that they've been posturing, again, with 11 days now until they're officially going to lose games? And maybe sooner than that, possibly sooner than that, but that's the date that they've set. I, that will be the last I yell and scream about Major League Baseball tonight because, quite honestly, I have high cholesterol, and I don't know how much longer I can do it without just keeling over here on the air on 670 the score. So I'll move on to something else that might get me worked up. And that's that's the Bears hire of head coach of uh, of this this Eberflus character. And I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to put this I'm going to put this disclaimer on this discussion, okay? Because I I follow what's going on on 670 the score even though I'm not on there every day and I saw when the hire was made of Matt Eberflus and I know that some personalities on the station might have had their critiques of it or might have, you know, poked holes in it or, or, or raised their concerns over it when Matt Eberflus was hired. And I saw your tweets of, oh, this guy never had a chance. You guys are going to bury him and say it's the wrong hire before he ever puts on a headset. I'm going to tell you flat out. I'm going to be straight up transparent with you. What I'm about to say I'm just talking about the idea of these guys. That's all I'm talking about is the idea of these guys and where they come from, what their philosophies are, because unless unless a coach comes with a lengthy track record, we don't know what any of these guys are. We don't know who any of these guys are. We don't know what they'll be as a head coach, how they'll operate, how good they'll be. We don't know. I don't know. You don't know. Anybody who's acting like they know doesn't know. Nobody knows. Because even even the, the best candidates sometimes fall flat on their face. See Matt Nagy. He was the hot commodity. Let's not forget, he was the hot commodity when the Bears hired him. And clearly, not the right guy. And two, there were two coaches hired so far. Now all the positions are filled that were open this offseason. Two coaches were hired who did have a lengthy track record. And I don't think the Bears were going with either of them. One was Lovey Smith. I don't think they were going down Lovey Smith Road again. And the other one was Doug Peterson, who got hired by Jacksonville. 
and he just shared too many similar. I know that the Bears kicked it around a little bit and brought him in for an interview, but in my eyes, I never saw that as a real possibility because there was too much Matt Nagy there. When you look at how much history those guys shared on the same coaching staffs, running the same offenses, a lot of the same philosophies. So the proven commodities that that were taken off the coaching market with the openings that that were out there this year, the Bears weren't going after either of those guys. So when you look at the first-time head coaches that got jobs this year and what I wanted from the next Bears head coach, again, the idea of what I wanted from the next Bears head coach was an offensive-minded head coach, preferably off the tree or at least an offshoot of one of the branches off the tree of Sean McVay, if that makes any sense. Because that has worked very well for for a number of teams around the National Football League right now. You can look at, well, McVay himself. You can look at San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan, Green Bay and Matt LaFleur. Kevin Stefanski spent time in that system. There are guys all around this league that are either directly off his tree or, like I said, an offshoot of a branch off the Sean McVay tree that are very, very successful in running high-powered offenses, in developing quarterbacks. So my preference was to get an offensive-minded head coach, preferably somebody off the Sean McVay tree, or, or Brian Dable, who, of course, went to the New York Giants, because, and you've heard probably... My, my Josh Allen slander and rhetoric here on the score, maybe on my show up in Milwaukee. Bottom line is, you look at whether you agree with me or not on where I placed Josh Allen on my quarterbacks list, you look at where he started and where he is now, and I don't know that any quarterback has made as much progress or taken as many steps forward as Josh Allen has in Buffalo with Brian Dable overseeing that and I was very intrigued by the prospect of Brian Dable coming here and trying to do something similar with Justin Fields of building an offense around him and his talents and catering it to him and asking him to do the things that he's good at and take the things out of the playbook and the scheme that maybe he's not so good at and I'm not saying that there isn't that there's only one way to win a Super Bowl there there isn't only one way to do anything not win Super Bowls, not skin cats. I'm not sure why that ever became the expression. It's a very dark image if you think about it. But there's not just one way to do anything. And I was reading an article today from Bill Polian, well, with some quotes from Bill Polian in The Athletic, where he was citing other other great quarterbacks that had defensive-minded head coaches. And man, he had to go pretty far back for some of these. He was talking about Terry Bradshaw and Dan Marino. Like the, you, you had to go pretty far back for some of these examples. And there are some modern examples that he mentioned as well, most notably Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. But what I would say about that is let's not compare anything to Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And Peyton Manning was basically his own offensive coordinator. So I don't know that we can use him as an example either of a great quarterback who had a defensive-minded head coach. I wanted an offensive-minded head coach, and I wanted somebody preferably off, off the, 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 not the LaFleur tree, but the, uh, the McVay tree, and a number of those guys went. Kevin O'Connell just got hired by the Minnesota Vikings. That was his offensive coordinator. 
Um, who else? Mike McDaniel was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco, who, of course, Kyle Shanahan worked under Sean McVay. Um, there was also Josh McDaniel. I would have taken Josh McDaniels, to be quite honest with you. I know he comes with some baggage, but at least an offensive mind who's worked with a great quarterback throughout his career. Nathaniel Hackett, he worked under LaFleur, and LaFleur worked under McVay. Like, these guys were out there, and they were hot candidates for, for coaching jobs this year, and the Bears passed them all over for a defensive-minded guy in Matt Eberflus. And that that's, again, the idea of what I wanted in a head coach is not what I wanted. Does that mean that I'm not going into this with an open mind, that I don't think that Matt Eberflus can get the job done? Absolutely not. I enter it with a completely open mind because, again, none of us know anything about any of these guys, including a Matt Eberflus. I just worry and wonder how now you take the most important piece in the Bears franchise, in Justin Fields, and get the most out of him. And the one thing I do like is they got somebody who is off that tree, so to speak, to be their offensive coordinator in Luke Getze, who is Aaron Rodgers, quarterback's coach in Green Bay. But I just wonder if Luke Getze gets here. That's fun to say. Luke Getze gets here and turns Justin Fields into a top five quarterback in this league, right? And in a year or two after he does that, now he's the hot commodity. Now he's the guy who's getting all the buzz and, and getting attention for head coaching jobs. And then he gets one. And now Justin Fields, three years into his career, is on his, what, fourth, fifth offensive coordinator and system? Like th- that's, that's not conducive to success for anybody. I know they'll probably just promote somebody from within. But every guy who gets a job like that wants to put his own stamp on it, wants to put his own spin on it. He's got his own philosophies. He's got his own ideas about scheming and play calling and how these things work. And it's going to be different. And I just, to me, the, the most tried and true, not the only way, but the most tried and true way to really develop a franchise quarterback and set him up for long-term success is to attach him hip to hip with a great offensive mind as a head coach. So, while I'm, I'm going to have an open mind, I think Matt Eberflus could be a great head coach. The idea of this is not what I wanted. And the idea that I did want, they were hired all over this league. All over this league. With Nathaniel Hackett and Brian Dable and Josh McDaniels and, and, and Mike McDaniel and, and, and now Kevin O'Connell with the Minnesota Vikings. Those guys were out there. Those guys were out there and the Bears said, nope, we're going with the defensive-minded guy. And, and moving forward. How do you feel about this Bears head coaching hire now with all the dust settling, with the last hire being made yesterday officially with Kevin O'Connell to the Minnesota Vikings? Again, open mind. I just have my reservations about all this. 312-644-6767. I'd like to hear from you on this. I'd like to hear from Adam Studzinski, my producer, on the other side of the glass. Rami Makloff with you on the score on a Thursday evening. Everything is about tapping into that position and building the offense around it. And so when you have somebody that has, you know, a hall of fame type player, you can tap into, you're tapping into some really good things. Right. And so it's going to be the same thing that here, you know, we're going to build this thing around this quarterback position. And um, so, you know, obviously when you have that level, you're going to be able to do a, a few more things. 
New Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze there. Rami Makhlouf here with you on a Thursday night on 670 to score. Get back into some Bulls talk. Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation joins me at 9 o'clock. Asking you right now, now that all the dust has settled on the NFL coaching carousel, Kevin O'Connell, the last hire officially announced by the Vikings yesterday. How do you feel about the Bears hiring of Matt Eberflus and company, including Luke Getze? I really like the idea of Luke Getze. I really do. Get in at 312-644-6767. That, that is, in essence, what I was asking for and what I was looking for in terms of the, the, the type of offense that a guy is going to come here and run, the, the philosophy of which he comes from, working for Matt LaFleur, who worked with Sean McVay and, 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 and Kyle Shanahan for so many years. It's a very quarterback-friendly system, and, and it's, it's, it's a school of coaches that believe in working to a player's, especially a quarterback's strengths, and, and installing what he's good at and what he's comfortable in doing rather than trying to make him do things that he's not comfortable doing and that he's not good at. I just worry and wonder about, well, if he does get, if he does a good job of that and people see great progress in Justin Fields, how long is Luke Getze for the Chicago Bears? And then we're looking for another offensive coordinator and Justin Fields is working in his third or fourth system in his, in his first four years in the league. That's just not, to me, that's not conducive to success. Nothing against Matt Eberflus. And man, I, I even... I worry about the discord, the, the the state of discourse in this country sometimes when I can flat out and blatantly and explicitly put a disclaimer on something before I say it. That This isn't an indictment against Matt Eberflus. I'm not saying he can't be a good coach, so spare me your texts and your tweets of, of me saying that, that he won't get it done. But you, nonetheless... I get the text from the 740, like you said, you don't know anything either. From Another one from the 740, worked well with Trubisky and Nagy. Man, I said, we don't know. We're just talking about the idea of these guys and, and their philosophies and the trees that they come from and their influences and trying to decide if we like a hire or not because we don't know anything about any of these guys who have no track record. Yes, Matt Eberflus could be great. It's just not the guy... That I was the idea of the guy that I was looking for, and the way that I was looking for them to structure this thing. That's all. That's I entered. I entered the Matt Eberflus era with a completely open mind, and with all the hopes in the world that that the Chicago Bears get it turned around under Matt Eberflus. I really do. I'm not. I'm not against the guy. I'm not. I'm not saying he's gonna fail. I'm just saying that this isn't necessarily what I had in mind. Is that's that's a, that's pretty easy to understand, don't you think, Adam? Don't you think that's 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 a a logical and and rational thing to say? Uh, no, it's not because <laughs> this is sports radio and we have to hate each other. That's Fair how enough. this works. No, Fair I enough. no, I I I agree with you, and I, I'm in the same state that you were, where you are, I should say, that I I was leaning towards wanting an offensive guy, but like I also worked myself into this idea where I. I feel as if we're putting, especially in the last decade, or maybe even just in the last five years, we're putting too much on, oh, well, this guy was more offensive or this guy was more defensive. When what you're looking for is the guy that's going to be the best head coach. It doesn't matter what your background is because once you're the head coach, you're the head coach. Right. And you can't be too focused on one side or the other. Now, of course, like, 
being too focused on one side is going to end up undoing you. Matt Nagy was too focused on offense, and he ended up failing because of it. Lovey Smith, best co- best head coach the Bears have had since Mike Ditka, he was undone by the fact that he couldn't find a competent offensive coordinator. Mark Mark Mike Mark Tressman, excuse me. <laughs> you know, I try to forget he even existed. I was so going to say you, yeah. you didn't even want you, you yeah. erased that name from your memory bank, so they had to yeah. pull it from deep down. Yeah, so you know he he completely ignored the defense defensive side of the ball and he failed. So like, look, what my point is here: you need to find the best head coach, and like, so I don't really I stopped caring where their back what their background was unless they'd have hired uh, Dable from Buffalo. Buffalo. That would yeah. have, like I was all in on him just because of watching. Watching Buffalo's offense with Josh Allen is like I want that offense here. He was the only guy that I, I wanted for his background. And also to your point on Luke Getze, like I understand the concern that Bears fans will have of like, oh, what if he comes in and he becomes the hot candidate and he leaves? Well, that's a high class problem to have, sure. right? Like that, that's, that's a good that problem means, to have for sure. That means that Justin Fields came out and was awesome. Because he's not, he, Getsy's not going to leave if Justin Fields is anything less than awesome in this next year, and the Bears' offense is anything less than 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 great, or maybe not great, but at least really good. Top ten, we'll say, even top half of the league would be just phenomenal after the last three years. <laughs> but just like you know, the ability to score twenty five points, like you know, at least three quarters of their games, which just seems like a struggle. But anyway, so the, my point here is that that is a really high class problem. If Getsy's leaving because Justin Fields balled out. And also at that point, it, once we know that Justin Fields is awesome, in my opinion, the coaching becomes a little less important. It's more important early on to help them develop the areas that they're weak in. That's and true. just, and Justin Fields certainly does have things that he needs to work on. We know that, but if he comes out and is better in those areas and balls out because of it, then it's like, okay, the, the coaching is, I'm less concerned with the offensive coordinator at that point. Yeah. It's, it's like getting a plane up to altitude. Like the, from what I understand, I don't have my pilot's license and actually I need to be heavily medicated just to get on an airplane, but that's neither here nor there. But from what I understand, the hardest parts of flying an airplane is getting it up to altitude and then getting it back down to the ground. So I think that developing a quarterback is like getting that plane up to altitude. And once you get it up there, then it, 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 can, it, it can do a lot of the work itself. You know, you can throw it in autopilot to, to some degree, to take my analogy one step too far. It is most important to have the right pieces around a quarterback to develop him and get the most out of him early in his career and, and get those habits and all the fundamentals and, and all the things that he needs to learn, get those into, into the memory bank, so to speak, and then he can kind of take it from there. I just, I don't know that if, if it's one or two years with Luke Getze and we see great progress, if that's enough for him to, to be at that, at that cruising altitude that you want him to be at. And I know... I know Jake Cutler and Justin Fields are completely different players and at completely different stages in their careers when, when Jake Cutler got to the Bears and where Justin Fields is now. But every time, it seemed like every time you started to get that thing right with Jake Cutler as the offensive and that offense going, their, hot, their coordinator became the hot commodity and he went elsewhere. And then it was one step forward, two steps back with that guy. And maybe I'm just traumatized by that turn of events and them never getting it right 
with what I thought could have been a franchise quarterback. Maybe that's what's what's in the back of my mind, but I just don't I don't want to go through that again. I'd, I'd I, rather just get the offensive-minded head coach. He's the guy who gets Justin Fields up to altitude, and then they're attached at the hip until it stops working, you know. And it does eventually stop working. Like Montana and and Seifert eventually stopped working. Rodgers and McCarthy eventually. It, there's a shelf life to these things, but I would have liked to have seen a lo- nice long relationship of Justin Fields and and a great offensive mind with the Chicago Bears. That's that's just how I would have preferred it to go down. But again, I am going to go into this with a very, very open mind. And I hope that Matt Eberflus is the dude. I, I really do. Can I can I give one have one totally unreasonable, unrational, unrational take on Matt Eberflus real quick? This Please. has nothing oh. to do with anything. Okay. It. Yes, yes. I, I know this doesn't matter. Again, I'm putting this disclaimer on it. I know this doesn't matter. All right? He doesn't look like a head coach. <laughs> and, and the name, the name Matt Eberflus just doesn't, doesn't sound like a great head coach. You know what I mean? Like, you just say that name and great head, like, to me, like Mike Ditka. That had the cachet of like, a, and I'm not a guy who's stuck out of the 80s. I'm just saying like that, like Iron Mike, like that name sounds like a guy who's going to do great things, whether it's in football or it's elsewhere. Hell, even Lovey Smith was a name where you were like, yeah, I could, I could see Lovey being legendary one day. Like it's, it's, it's a good name. It's a, it's a solid name. Even, even Sean McVay, like th- those names sound like head coaches, Bill Cowher sounds like an NFL head coach. Is that crazy? It is It is crazy, but do you do you get what I'm saying, Adam? I, I know I it's agree. out there, but do you get what I'm saying? No, I, I, I agree with you. I That was my first thought, too. I was like, really? Matt Eberflus, huh? Like, okay. <laughs> like, I okay. guess. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who had that ridiculous thought. Like, when, I remember when Dick Duran was hired, and I was like, mm, that, that name doesn't really... That doesn't ring with me. That I think sound... it's a good way to judge NFL head coaches. Absolutely. I think that should I mean, be you know, first... Especially because we don't have enough information to judge them fully anyway. So we <laughs> judge them by what we know. And we know that the name doesn't seem like a good head coach. <laughs> we might as well. That might, be, that might as well be the thing that we go on. Is, mm, doesn't sound like a head coach. He doesn't have that jaw. You know what I mean? Like that, head, that football head coach, like a Shula or a Cower. Or a Ditka. Like Forehead's not big jaw. enough to coach you know in what? Chicago. You know, you get a bigger <laughs> forehead here. <laughs> Eberflus just, there's a little too much forehead and not enough jaw for my liking for an NFL head coach. That's the only knock I have on him is his name, his forehead, and his jaw. Other than that, I'm totally open to, to, to him being a great head coach. Maybe he overcomes all those obstacles somehow. And he somehow manages to be a great head coach in the NFL. That might be the dumbest three minutes of radio I've ever done. Right after this, we'll get this thing back on track. We're going to talk some Bulls with Ricky O'Donnell. He covers the NBA for SB Nation. And he joins me, Rami Makloff, next on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 